Well, good morning, everybody. How are you today? Good, it's so nice to have you here. Um, it, for those of you that I don't know, my name is Christy Kerr. My husband, Jeff, and I are the pastors here at Homestead. We're so glad that you are with us today. And we, I wanna say again, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And we have a gift here at Homestead for not just mothers, but any woman over 18. And here's why, because a lot of you mother people that you never gave birth to, right? <laughs> we have so many teachers and aunties and mentors, and so we want to honor all of the women that are pouring into uh, young people, into our kids, and so can we just give a hand to all of the ladies uh, here today? We want to honor you today. So as you leave, we have gift cards for you to, I think, Caribou and Dunn Brothers. You're not allowed to give it to your kids. I know they're going to say, but I love, I really like those little frappuccinos. Nope, this is just for you to buy yourself a cup of coffee, maybe take a friend with you and spend a couple hours by yourself on us. So we love you and we're so glad that you are here with us today. So we are, have been talking about the book of Exodus. Last week, Jeff started us on a new series about the book of Exodus. And last week, he kind of talked about some of the background um, about the book of Exodus, what had brought the people, um, the Israelite people to Egypt. He kind of told those story. You can always go back and listen to messages if you missed that. He gave us some insight as to what the culture was like as the story begins. And then he talked about the fear of the Lord and how God was writing this redemption story over his people. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be studying this amazing story of how God rescued his people from a time when they were enslaved, when they were in hardship. And so today, I want to look at the call of Moses. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to talk about the call of Moses now, about nine months ago, just as we were a few months into COVID, I was desperately praying, probably laying on my face at that point, praying that God would give me some wisdom and insight to know how to lead well in the season we were in. Anybody who had to make some really tough decisions over the last nine months, make some decisions for your family, make decisions for your, your job or something that you were leading, and it was so difficult and so nuanced and so it felt so ripe with conflict that I was just praying, Lord, show me, could you just give me some insight as to how to lead well during this season? And the Lord dropped into my heart, I want you to study the leadership of Moses. And so over the last nine months, I have, I have a whole journal full of lessons on leadership from the life of Moses and how he was leading the people during this time. I began to look at his life, the circumstances he was in, and how he led people in an incredibly difficult and nuanced situation. He was leading when people were scared. He was leading when people were unsure and when people were fearful and they were vocal about what they liked or didn't like, anybody, it sound familiar, right? So I thought, okay, this is a good place to start. And so as we go through this series, I'm gonna share some of the things that the Lord showed me over the last nine months about leadership and how Moses led. And here's the deal, we're all leading something. I used to think when people talk about, hey, let's talk about leadership, I think a lot of times, I always put that in the mindset of people who are like trying to promote their careers are studying leadership for those that kind of want to advance professionally. They're studying leadership. But the truth is we are all leading something. And you are leading in a group of friends, 
when you speak up for something that you believe is wrong. You're leading in your circle of influence in your neighborhood, when you're coaching your kids' teams, when you're sitting in the stands of your coach of your kids' sports teams, when you're in school meetings. You're leading um, when you're in this church and you volunteer and you represent us out in the community. And you're leading your families. You're making decisions that are shaping the lives and directions of your people. And so today is the perfect day to talk about leadership. Now, moms, a lot, a lot of times we don't see ourselves as leaders because we're the ones washing the underwear. So it doesn't feel like I'm leading, but the truth is you're leading your families. And there are no greater leaders in the world than mothers. That is the reality. Your influence, your point of view, your countenance, your wisdom is daily being impressed into your family. You're leading your family. You're making decisions for them. You're navigating circumstances. You're coming up with strategies to work through complications. And the Lord has wisdom for you every single day as you are leading your families. So let's look at Exodus chapter 3, and let's look at this moment when Moses is called to lead the people out of Egypt. Starting in verse 1, it says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. So Moses is out there in the wilderness just doing his own thing when the Lord completely disrupts the course of his life and calls him to a new season. Now, this wasn't just a career change. This wasn't just a vocational change. This wasn't just a change of location. This was a complete disruption and disorientation, reorientation of his life. God took him in that moment and completely changed everything. From that moment on, Moses' life takes a completely different turn. Now, let me just give you a little side note. I was studying the timing of this yesterday. Um, historians believe that when Moses fled into the Egypt, er, he was 40 years old. And this moment right here in Sinai was 40 years later. He was 80. 
So we're not talking about like an 18-year-old having a shift in direction. We're talking, now Moses lived to be 120, so he was, you know, you can put that in context. This is midlife. This is right in the middle of his life that God picked him up and said, okay, I got something totally different for you and completely reoriented his life. He becomes immersed in this intense assignment that will define the rest of his life and the lives of hundreds of thousands of other people. So here are a few things that I want us to look at regarding the call of God on Moses' life. Number one, the Lord had been orchestrating the path of Moses long before he called him at the burning bush. This was not the first time the Lord had thought about, hey, you know who I'm going to get? Moses. It's important to remember that the call of God on his life at the burning bush might have felt out of the blue to Moses. It might have felt like, whoa, where did that come from? But it was not out of the blue to God. Every step of his life from his birth and childhood was another brick, building the foundation of Moses' leadership. From the moment he was born, his parents had the insight and discernment to see that God had a special plan for Moses. We know a little bit more about his parents. We don't know that from Exodus, but if you look in Numbers chapter 26, verses 58 and 59, it tells us who Moses' parents are. Their names were Amram and Jochebed. Jochebed was Moses' mother, and they were descendants of the Levites, of the tribe of Levi. And Abram and er, Aram, Amram, oh my goodness, sorry. Amram and Jochebed were the parents of Aaron, Moses, and their sister Miriam. Now in Exodus 2, 2, it tells us that Moses' mother saw that he was a special baby. And so when Pharaoh talked about killing all of the Hebrew children, his mother decided, no, we, we can't do that. And so they hid Moses. Jeff talked about that last week. But do you know that they are also listed in Hebrews chapter 11, which we call the hall of faith in uh, Hebrews when they are listed all the people that showed extraordinary faith throughout scripture. There is a moment that these two parents are listed. Hebrews 11:23 says, it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child. And they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. They were counted as some of the people who had the most faith throughout scripture because they saw their child. They recognized the call of God on his life as an infant. They recognized that moment. And they chose to disobey the king's command in order to spare his life. God had his hand on Moses' life from the moment he was born. Now, Jeff told the story last week about how Moses was put in a basket to save his life from Pharaoh's command. But another piece of the story was that when Pharaoh's daughter found Moses in the river and pulled him out, Moses' little sister, Miriam, came running over and said, would you like me to find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said, absolutely. So Miriam ran and got her mother, and Pharaoh's daughter paid Moses' mother to raise him until he was of age. Okay, that's quite a story, right? So she got to raise the baby when Pharaoh was having all the babies killed. She got paid to do it, right? Have you ever thought about what all of the chain reaction of that moment is? I have always thought about this. If Moses grew up in Pharaoh's house, well, how did he know Aaron 
and Miriam, his brother and sister, right? When in the wilderness, when God says, Aaron, your brother will be your spokesperson, he says, okay, not like, who's Aaron, right? He knew Aaron. He knew Miriam. How did that happen? Because he lived at home with his parents for many, many, many years before his mother took him back to Pharaoh's palace for him to be adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. So that means the early years of Moses' life Jochebed was imparting the knowledge of God into his life, right? The history of his people, the faith of his forefathers, the legacy of his belief. I don't know how long she had. We don't know that amount of time, but we know that it was enough time for her to impart all of those things. Because what we see at the burning bush, when God said, I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses' response was to fall on his face. He knew who that God was. Even though he had grown up in Pharaoh's house. This is an incredible part of the story, right? Not only that, but Moses was the only person who had insight into both the Hebrew culture and the Egyptian culture. Have you thought about this later on in the story when it says Moses shows up before Pharaoh and says, let my people go. How does he get in the door? Could you and I just show up at the president at the White House? I would like to speak. No. How does he even get in front of Pharaoh? Because he was raised in that palace. Think of all of the nuance that had to happen from the moment he is in the weeds getting pulled out by Pharaoh's daughter so that he can walk into the courts of Pharaoh. This is an incredible beginning of the story that a lot of times we just kind of skip over. But God had been orchestrating the life of Moses from the moment he was born. And some of you today need to remember that God has been orchestrating his plan for your life from the moment you were born. It's not just starting today. It didn't just start last week. It's not just starting the day even that you found Christ and became saved. He has been orchestrating every piece of your story. Things that feel like coincidence, they are not coincidence. Things that have felt like detours, they were part of the training and foundation of the things that God has planned for your life. The places that seem like the biggest obstacles and problems, I can't imagine Jochebed ever thinking the fact that she was going to have to hand over her son to someone else that she could ever think that that would somehow be used by God. And yet, that was the very piece that God used to do a miracle. The complicated, difficult, painful parts of your history are the very things that God will use to bring glory to his name. And mama's in the house today. God is writing the story of your babies. Do not for a second forget that these days are shaping the foundations of who they are becoming. I'll never forget when my kids were little, somebody handed me a book and it said, Discovering the Spiritual Lives of Your Children. And it changed my parenting so much because it had you start thinking about what are the spiritual gifts in your kids? What does God put in them? It started, got me thinking about their futures and how God wanted to use them and the things that I saw in them and, and the gifts that he had put into them and beginning to realize that I needed to parent those things in my kids. The ones that have the strong gifts of leadership and seem to always be bossy. Kate Ketterling, that's my big sister. She's the bossy one in the family. 
those gifts that seem to be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, they always want to be in charge. Okay, how can I parent that? Because obviously the Lord has gifted them some leadership, and instead of being frustrated with them and say, oh, stop always having an opinion about everything, start saying, okay, let's talk about how can we shape that and use that for the glory of God. The great thing about it is you're going to be a leader. Here's what we're going to learn. We're going to learn to think of the feelings of others. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to learn to compromise, right? So I began parenting the spiritual gifts that I saw in my kids, and it changed my life. And, you know, that is our job as parents, mothers and fathers, and even aunties and those of you that are teachers, to look and see what are the areas that God has gifted the people in my world. And let me tell you, watching my kids walk through difficult seasons, I just wanted the Lord to pluck them out. Please, right now, just take them out. And he always took longer than I wanted him to. And I always remember him saying, you're going to have to trust me. I'm preparing them. I'm teaching them something. This is something they've got to learn. They've got to figure this out. You can't rescue them from this. They have to walk through it so that on the other side, this can be a part of their story that I use. But that's hard. So moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, let's remember Jochebed, who saw the plan of God for her son's life. And was so invested that she took every moment to just prepare him, to pray, to do things, to defy the the Pharaoh's order, to instill a heart for the Lord in her son. Remember, God is writing the stories of your children. And it is a long-term plan. So we have to keep our eyes on the long-term goal and make sure that we aren't just trying to get them out of something right away. We aren't just trying to get them to go to sleep. But we're thinking, what can I do to participate with God to help shape these lives that he's entrusted to my care for the glory of God? Amen? Amen. So number one, the Lord has been orchestrating the path of Moses long before he called him at the burning bush. Number two, God had given Moses natural talents and abilities to accomplish the call. In my Bible, I have a New Living Translation. The heading before Exodus chapter 3 says, is called the call of the rescuer. That's the heading in my Bible. But Moses did not become a rescuer at the burning bush. At that moment, it wasn't like all of a sudden God just imparted rescue tendencies into Moses. Moses had something inside of him that always caused him to want to help people, to rescue people to intervene on behalf of those who were being oppressed. Let's look at Exodus chapter 2, 11 and 12. We're going to go back a little bit. This is when he is still in Egypt. It says, many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went outside to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how very hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure that no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. So Moses saw someone being mistreated, saw one of the Hebrews being mistreated, and something inside of him compelled him to act. Now, what he has done is discovered, and eventually Pharaoh finds out and tries to have Moses killed. So Moses runs out into the wilderness of Midian. Let's skip down to verse 15. Here's what it says there. When Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters who came, as usual, to draw water and fill the water's troughs for their father's flock. 
But some other shepherds came and chased them away. So Moses jumped up and what? Rescued the girls from the shepherds. Then he drew water for their flocks. That's two times. Here we go again. <laughs> what was Moses' natural inclination when he saw oppression? When he saw someone being mistreated? It did, nobody had to say, hey, I wonder if we should go over and help. He immediately intervened. He had the instinct to rescue. Moses was a rescuer. Moses was not starting from nothing when he was called at the burning bush. There was something inside of him that felt that charge and calling to help the oppressed. It wasn't an accident. It was placed there by God who knew that he was going to need a rescuer for his people. And so he instilled this spirit of a rescuer inside Moses. So let me ask you this. What is your gift? What is your calling? What is the thing in you that's always been in you that you don't even think about? It just comes out instantly. I remember um, in college, I was traveling with a singing group. And one day, this lady who did not know me at all came over and said, I just wanted to pray for you. And she was praying over me. I was probably 19 years old. And she said, your gift of compassion is not an accident. It was given to you by a God to accomplish the work he has for you. Now, this was a big deal for me because I never thought about the fact that I was compassionate and loved people as something unique or different. I kind of thought everybody thought that way. It, I thought that everybody wanted to do something and I like that. And I had always been that way. I would give everybody everything I have. And then I would give every, my sister's stuff to everybody. And then I, my parents would be like, stop giving away everything. And I'm like, I don't know. They look like they needed it. I don't know. And it was just has always been inside of me. But I never, ever thought about the fact that that was unique, given to me by God to accomplish what he had for me. That changed everything for me. I thought everybody saw things like I did. I, but then I began to recognize that my love for people, my compassion, this compulsion inside of me to help and make people feel loved, well, that was not a coincidence. That was not an accident. That was something the Lord put inside of me. Moses was a rescuer. It was something put inside of him. So what are you? What are you? What is the gift that God has put inside of you? What is that thing that comes so naturally to you, you don't even know you're doing it until you catch yourself doing it? What is that thing inside of you? Ask the Lord to show you what that thing is that he has put in you because it will be a game changer when you can wrap your head around what that is. So number one, God has been orchestrating the call of Moses for his entire life. Number two, God had imparted Moses with natural talents and abilities to fulfill the call. And lastly, number three, Moses had to learn to submit his giftings and natural abilities to God. Moses' courage and decisiveness in fighting the Egyptian who was oppressing the Hebrew was good. But his timing and methods were bad. He thought, I know, I'm going to just fix this right now. But it wasn't the right time, and it wasn't the right way. Moses' instincts were good. His talent was there. But he had to learn to partner with the Lord to do the work, not to just assume the responsibility himself, not to just take it on all on himself and do it however he thought he should do it. Natural ability, 
talent, and passion will get you into trouble really quick if you don't learn to submit those things to the Lord and learn to follow his lead and his timing. This is where a lot of us get into trouble, right? Oh, man, we think, God made me a rescuer, so look out, here I go. And we just come out swinging, right? We start swinging our fists and making big messes, and then we don't understand why it's a big mess because we think, this is my calling. This is what God gifted me in. I can tend to think God has made me compassionate and loving to serve people, and so I start trying to fix the whole world and carry the responsibility for everyone's happiness on my shoulders. And pretty soon I'm exhausted and burnt out and hurt, and I say, God, why in the world did you call me to do this? It's too much. And I think God just looks at me and says, I called you to partner with me. I'm not asking you to do it. I gifted you so that we can work together. And a lot of times he'll just say, yeah, I asked you to do that, but I didn't ask you to do it all or do it that way. And he'll say to me, are you just going to go plow ahead and doing what seems right to you? Or are you going to learn what it looks like to let me work through you? Those gifts and talents and abilities submitted to the timing and the lordship of Jesus. The truth was Moses was not going to rescue anybody. Moses was not going to rescue the people. God was going to rescue the people. Moses couldn't send a plague. Moses couldn't part a sea. Moses couldn't do anything. God was going to do the work. And God had to teach him how to allow him to work through him. But up until now, Moses just tried to do the rescuing on his own. He just jumped in and did it on his own own way in his own timing and he was going to have to learn really fast that the only way to lead the people was going to be in submission to the Lord's ways the Lord's plan and the Lord's timing and man you and I really have to do learn this lesson don't we our best intentions our highest callings our very natural giftings and instincts have to be fully yielded to the authority of Christ We cannot just rely on our own. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of my very favorite verses, trust in the Lord with all your heart and not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. But I love how the Good News translation says this verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. Isn't that a genius way to say that? Never rely on what you think you know. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and he will show you the right way. We have to learn to yield our gifts and talents under the authority of Jesus. This means learning to wait for his timing. Just because we're passionate about something doesn't mean now is the right time to act on it. This means learning to get instruction from him before we start anything. Waiting for his timing, waiting for his direction, not just plowing ahead. And this means laying down our own pride that thinks that because we have a natural talent or instinct for something, that we know how to do it. We lay it down and say, Lord, teach me. Lord, show me. Lord, guide me. Lord, lead me. And I will obey. Instead, we learn to yield every gift and talent and passion to him. We learn to embrace every part of our story. And the places that God was teaching up things before we even knew what he was going to call us to do. 
and we fully submit them to Jesus and become his vessel in his hands to do the work. Like Moses, there will come a burning bush moment in your life. There is a time when the Lord will activate your call. Moses had been getting prepared. Moses had natural ability. And then this moment came in Exodus chapter 3 where the Lord says, it's time. And he will activate your call. And you have been being prepared your whole life. You have tools and abilities and instincts and experiences. And the moment will come when God will activate you and begin the process of disrupting your life and saying, okay, it's time. From now on, I'm reorienting everything. And now you're on a new mission. Now, why now? Why now? At 80 years old, did God call Moses? Well, we see the answer in Exodus chapter 3. It says, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. The call of God is always in response to the cries of the people. When God activates you, it's because he's heard the cries of the people. And he says, it's time. I'm going to rescue them. This is such an emotional thing for me to think about. Because when I think about Jeff and I starting a church in Farmington, hearing the Lord call us to start a church here, and thinking, well, why now? When I think about the fact that the Lord hears the cries of the people, that there were people in our community, there are people in our community right now crying out and saying, Lord, I don't know if you're real, but if you are, could you let me see somebody who knows you? Could you show me a place? It's overwhelming to think that God would show up and call you because he's hearing the hurting hearts, the broken prayers of someone else. And the same is true for you. Wherever he's planting you, wherever you are, wherever God is stirring up, wherever he is reorienting you and placing you down, it's because he's heard the cries of the people. Lord, could you send someone to show me who you are? Could you send someone to tell me about their experience? God, I know you know somebody who's walked this road before me and made it out alive. Could you send somebody to me to help me get out of this? God called Moses that moment because he heard the cries of the people. Something profound happens when I link my calling and the need of the people in the world. I become humbled and dependent on the Lord. And I am ready to let God disrupt everything if he needs to so that he can use me to meet the needs of those people. When I link those two things, I'm ready to hear him say, now go for I am sending you you must lead my people out of Egypt. And that call of God isn't just for people in full-time ministry or, or missions across the world. It's every single follower of Christ have a call on our life to do something profound. And here's what I really believe right now. I believe the culture of our world, the climate of people's heart and emotions. 
I don't think there's ever been a greater time that the cries of the people are floating up to heaven. And I really believe that God is activating his church on a way that we have not seen in a long time. He is activating his church. And some of you felt a call on your life, maybe when you were 16 at youth camp or sometime in college, you felt like God said, I'm going to do something in you. And you, your life has kind of gone this way and you're like, like Moses and you're kind of out there. And now the time is coming. The Lord says, man, you know what? I am all hands on deck. I am activating every person in my kingdom to be on mission. And so it's really important that we take a second and we say, Lord, what are, you, what are you asking of me? Maybe this is just a moment that he is calling you to be bold and speak out in your workplace or wherever he's placed you. Maybe it's a moment where he is asking you to just invest more time in his word so that you are spiritually prepared for whatever he has. And for some of you, I really believe this. He is picking you up and he is reorienting your life and you are never going to walk the same way again. And it might be like Moses, it's a vocational career, huge change, and it scares you to death. But it's what God is calling you to do because he has heard the cries of the people and the time is short and people are hurting and it's time. He's activating that moment in your life. And some of you need to start ministries and some of you are going to plant churches and some of you are going to start support groups. And I don't know what it is, but I know that he is activating his church. So let's bow our heads. Let's just take a minute. Jesus, we are asking you, show us, show us, Lord. Lord, we're standing before that burning bush like Moses, recognizing it's holy ground. What are you calling us to today? What are you saying? Lord, we know you've heard the cries of the people. You've heard the cries of the people whose marriages are falling apart. You've heard the cries of the people who are struggling with addiction. You've heard the cries of the young mother that feels like she doesn't have anybody to walk with her. You've heard the cries of the single mom that feels so alone. You've heard the cries of the family walking with their child through depression and anxiety. You've heard the cries of the teachers who are feeling broken and overwhelmed. You've heard the cries of the men who are feeling purposeless and lost. And because of that, Lord, you're activating things in your church and it's not new. You've been preparing us from the moment we were born for this moment. It's all in there. It's all in there. Every good thing, every bad thing, every sideways turn, every detour, everything that looked like a sideways turn. God, you were planning and orchestrating and you were going to use it for your glory. And now is the moment that all those things are going to come together. And you are going to do something profound through the Spirit of God. So our first response, Lord, is to say yes. Our first response is to say, we will go. And our second response is to say, now show us how. Teach us. 
Let us not rely on what we think we know. Even if we have natural talents and abilities, Lord, they have to be submitted to you. Show us the way, show us the timing, show us the method, show us how to get there. Lord, refine the things in us that are prideful. Refine the things in us that think that we know the right way. Shape us into something you can use for your kingdom and your glory. Lord, we want to be your church. We want to be a part of, I believe, this great revival you're sending to our land. This awakening, this spiritual awakening that I believe you are pouring out. You have promised us that in the last days you will pour out your spirit. And the young men and the old men will see visions and have dreams that you will pour out your spirit on the young women and the old women and they will prophesy and they will speak out and they will lead. And Lord, we believe that that time is now you are pouring out your spirit and we are here ready to learn and ready to go. We thank you. We love you. Thank you for having such a beautiful plan for our lives. We're grateful. In Jesus' name, we pray all of these things. And everybody together said, amen. Amen.